Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. So on today's episode, we have on another special guest. His name is Dr. Benjamin Ritter, and he is a leadership, career coach, and head of talent development. Thank you for coming to the show. I'm really happy to be here. I just want to take a second. Maybe it's the mindset that I'm in or just how I normally feel, but that intro, like the things, like the mission, the vision, and the purpose, like when I do my own videos and I, I start off with, you know, leadership and career coach and, you know, guiding leaders to create a career that they love. Like sometimes I got to remind myself to stop and say, man, that mission is like, it's big. So the mission that you're doing, the impact that you're having on the world, I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh, so thank you. Really. Thank you for having me. Hey, I greatly appreciate that. That's actually the first time that somebody's uh, paused after the mission and says something about it. But yeah, that's the intro for every uh, podcast episode. And really, I, I guess you could say it's a reminder to me, you know, the type of value that I'm trying to offer and making sure that everything aligns with that. But yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I'd say uh, probably jumping ahead too much in terms of content, but the things that are natural to us, the things that we do every single day, you know, we're, they were created based on missions, but those missions can sometimes fall to the wayside just based on like general to do's. And it's nice to pause for a second and say, okay, hold up. Like one, I want to make it like I'm hearing this for the first time. I want to connect to it, but then I want to let other people connect to it. So how do I honor it as much as, as much as I can? Cause just like for me too, I just, I could just roll off my bio. Right. But then I'll just, I won't, mm -hmm. I won't really connect to the meaning behind it. And I felt that when you said it. So I felt like that meaning behind it. And so, yeah, ooh, I, I feel like, it I too. It. I feel it too. Yeah. I, I try to live my life by that too. And not only that, love but it. helping guys live an authentic and productive life that they can be happy with. And even doing that for myself, you could really say that if I weren't doing this type of stuff, if I weren't trying to move to do this type of thing, like on a, on a bigger scale, I wouldn't be living an authentic and productive life, maybe productive, but not authentic and not one that I would be happy with. So, you know, it just all kind of fits together. But, um, but yeah, just to ask a little bit more about you for the people that aren't familiar with your work, could you give them a little bit more, a little bit more information about your background and what you do? Yeah, of course. So I guide leaders to create a career that they can love. That can be in a couple of different buckets, uh, but basically we develop your personal brand and figure out a way for you to actually live true to that in your career, kind of unlocking your professional superpowers. That can mean fixing where you're at, can mean going somewhere new. It could mean even just developing your leadership skills. It's all things career related. And based on that work and my background in, uh, so my doctorate's in organizational leadership, my research is in job satisfaction, values congruence, motivation. So based on that, I also do organizational work. So hence the head of talent development. So I'll help organizations become places that people can fall in love with too. And this all started, I, mean, I can, I can give you the origin story, but I'll pause for a second. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you're fine. I was going to say, I thought it was pretty interesting how you talk about helping people build their own brand. And when you first were saying that, I was thinking your own brand. And I was thinking you do like, you help people like with their individual companies, but then you talked about like corporate it made me think, you know, it's not a common way to phrase it that someone has their own brand, even if they're don't if they don't have a business, you have your own brand as yep. a as an employee. And so it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Every single person, if they want to or not, has their own brand. And one of the greatest issues when it comes to our careers is that we give our brand away. We give our power away. Can't tell you how many people, when they want their next job, 
are promoting their current job. Really, they're just an ad for their current organization, which is not what you not what what your career is. Your career is an advertisement for your professional skill sets and sometimes your personal skill sets. But very often we don't treat it that way. And so when I say personal brand, it's like, okay, so are you being proactive and intentional in really showing up and defining who you are professionally to ensure that you get whatever you des- what you want for your career, not what people give you, not the job that you see on the job board, not the job from your best friend, but the job that you want. Um, if that's your own business, uh, mostly actually I don't work with entrepreneurs. Mostly I work with people that are actually within the court, you know, kind of corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Usually they, they're a little, they are mission driven though. Uh, but too often we give our power away. I'm glad that you brought that up. And I think that's something that a lot of guys might be able to resonate with as we dive into that further, when we get into that discussion, because I'm sure that, you know, like, just like me coming out of school, I wasn't really thinking of it from like a brand perspective, what I was going to get into as far as my full-time job, what I do, this is on the side, the podcasting thing, but I never did think about, okay, what type of brand am I building for Kamani Randall? It was always, okay, what's the best job that I'd be able to get coming out of school to put myself in the best position to, to grow and, you know, live a productive life. So it is something that's interesting to kind of think about. Yeah. And the, on the side comment too, is something interesting to think about, I'd say, cause mm-hmm. I've had a lot of on the side gigs, you know, I paid for grad school bartending. Uh, I was a brand ambassador. I was like on street corners, handing out flyers, right. Make some money dressing up, dressed up as movie, like a promo uh, characters running around town, scaring people dressed as a zombie for 28 <laughs> weeks later, uh, doing anything and everything one to develop social skills, right. To get out there, to be uncomfortable, do some unique things. Uh, one of the, one of the, one of the jobs was they poured plaster on me and made me into a, basically made a bunch of mannequins out of my, my body, like my, mm-hmm. my waist up in a civil war museum, which was really interesting. But I did a lot of odd jobs, made, made some money to pay for the things I needed to pay for while working full-time working in healthcare and running a business. Uh, and I also used to say like, yeah, this is on the side. And I kind of like undercut how important some things were to me or how much things influenced me. And I'd say like anything that you do, um, it's not just on the side, right? So it's like, we don't have a full-time gig and then like a part-time gig, or we don't have like this thing that's a hobby and thing that's full-time. I think we just have like our professional career and our brand. And I'd say like, if this is a huge part of how you feel and how, what you care about, then in a, in a way, can we figure out, can we figure out how to bring that to the thing that we think is our full-time, the thing that we think is a, a bigger piece of the pie? Because I would even challenge you and say, are we bringing more of our full self to this, to this podcast than we are to the other thing that we do? And, how, and if we think of it as the side, but it's more of who we are, then are we doing it justice in our mind and how we think about it in our attentions? And I know I can just, maybe I'm just being a little too technical, but it does impact how we talk about ourselves to people. Mm-hmm. So when you just said, I do this on the side, am I supposed to then think this isn't as important? Or am I supposed to think, you know, so it's like, it's, and, and what does your mind think internally for yourself as well? Uh, do you label it as important? And then, so what are you doing in terms of uh, where you're, again, going back to intention, where you're spending your time, where you're investing your time to grow to different parts of your career that want to, that need to be grown. And so when I was growing my business on the side, I actually told everyone, oh, uh, this is, this is my business. This is my career. This is my life. And then I'm, I'm a healthcare executive on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, like, you, you know, and I can't, I probably didn't spend less time on it. You know, I might not have been making enough as much money on it, but just 
because you don't make money on something doesn't mean that it's not your career. And I think we need to redefine that. I think you made a valid point, actually, now that I think about it. And yeah, if I could go back and maybe rephrase how I said it, I can see how saying on the side kind of dismisses it or makes it seem like a small thing. But I would say that it's probably the most important thing to me due to the fact that this is the place where I I feel like I'm 100 percent authentic in myself, as opposed to, you know, in the corporate environment, you feel like you have to fit a certain type of mold or carry yourself a certain type of way. And so one thing I'll say is, yeah, I definitely do show up to this, you know, with a higher uh, degree of authenticity than I do to like my day to day job. And so, yeah, I guess mentally it would be better to kind of make that flip now that you say that. I feel like I'm in a coaching call with you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to be. I just when I was, you know, I was, you know, in when I was doing stuff on the side in my own mind, people would find out about what I was doing on the side and because they really connected to it. Mm-hmm. And they come up to me about it in the corporate environment. And I would kind of like hide away from it. And I think that did a lot of disservice to what I was doing on the side. And I also think it probably didn't grow my brand as quick as it could have. Um, and I made some changes along the way, but I just kind of my own thought process around entrepreneurship and how we section our career. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you've made some references to like your own story and, and background and all that. It would be great if we could dive into the story that you were mentioning earlier, where you could talk about like the origin story and why you're here today. Yeah. So short version, I was really unhappy at work and I was a victim of my own unhappiness. So I basically went to work, not trying to work, uh, doing mm-hmm. other things then, you know, sneaking out, going to the gym for couple hours, you know, going for walks when I didn't need to go for walks, but got my work done. I was a high achiever and high performer. I could just get it done a lot quicker than I think maybe other people did, or maybe they were just more interested in the job. And, and so basically, you know, that, that level of disconnect with your job, with your job, that, that disengagement leads to a lot of like negativity and that negativity weighs on you and it weighs on the people around you. And so not only did I really not make the most of my job and build bridges, I kind of just also lived in a state of like constant unhappiness. And uh, I finally one day realized what was going on. I kind of got, I kind of got kickstarted awake, which very lucky that it happened. I remember just kind of walking to work one day, feeling the dread of having to go in, being really unhappy and seeing all the people around me feeling the same way. And it just kind of was like this mirror that got put up to my face and snapped me out of it to say, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I giving my power away? What do I really want to do for my career? And I, I kind of realized, I realized why I got into it. Like I realized like kind of how I got to that space. And that's because throughout my career, I was, I was pretty much not kind of just disappointed. All right. So I wanted to be a professional athlete that didn't work out for a variety of reasons. There was, there was traveling across the country. There was surgery on my 20, the day before my 21st birthday, uh, there was a decision to continue playing overseas or to come back and finish my education. There was leaving a team because they canceled my major halfway through school and then coming back because I, where the team that I went to kind of lied to me and then not being allowed back onto the team because I left. So that in itself was disappointing. Then out of school, you know, I kind of had this, uh, I don't know what to do. You go, you go into school as a marketing major and then the only jobs you have are selling knives door to door. wasn't like the, the best opportunities and coming as a professional athlete, I never really thought mm-hmm. that I wanted to work full time, like nine to five. 
Uh, I also had a dad that was an entrepreneur. So I was looking for opportunities and decided that uh, I was going to start a company, but actually ended up going, get, I got my grad school funded through working for the school. Uh, so I ended up in grad school, but then out of grad school was, uh, was tough. I had basically four different job offers that ended up getting canceled after I signed on the dotted line uh, in a field that I was interested in, in policy advocacy and, and public health due to, due to federal funding and a recession. So for two and a half years, I was just kind of getting a job, but then it getting canceled, getting a job, getting canceled. And that's kind of when I went into just trying to find a way to make money and live my passion and my dream. And um, so I had a lot of like setbacks and upsets in my career. And so I think what led me to, to healthcare, you know, it was a job that I got, it was the first job that I got six years. So six years of me trying to, you know, being in this career, not being really, not really having chosen that career and having a couple other disappointments as an entrepreneur. Um, and in the past, I think led me to where that, that dark place that I was in. Uh, but I woke up, right? I, had, I was, it was, it was great that I had the chance to actually wake up that day and then ask myself like, Hey, you actually do have the choice. Like, what do you want to work on? Uh, what challenges do you want to face in the future? Uh, what meaning do you derive from your work? What meaning do you want to derive from your work? And I, I sat down and answered those questions. Uh, at the time, one of my side businesses was coaching. I was actually, uh, I had a business partner. We had a company for about five years uh, in a different area of coaching. So I had like this background, this foundation of life coaching, right? But I wasn't applying it to my career. And so it was like this huge wake up call. Like, why do we not have these lessons for our career? All the other books, all the studying that I've done up to that point in terms of personal and professional development wasn't really focused on personal professional development just personal development. And I saw the opportunity to do this for organizations, to help high achievers like myself at the time, to prevent people from getting to that point that I was at, which is basically a type of burnout, uh, and to try to retain talent. And so that started my pursuit of this career path. So it was kind of a career pivot, uh, but this was back in now 2000 and probably 15, 2016, where I saw this as something that I really needed to do. So not too long ago, yeah, you've been doing it for maybe like seven, eight years, something like that, right? Yep. So I coached for, I kind of had this overlap of coaching. We have, I've been coaching for about 10 years. Uh, but then about 2015, 2016, I realized my passion for talent development. I went into the doctoral program in 2015, finished in 2018, but started Live for Yourself Consulting in 2016. So been able to grow it while finishing up my dissertation and my research, took a lot of my lessons from my previous coaching business, left, left health, healthcare in 2018, went full-time coaching for a couple of years before these other, this other company reached out to me as well. And how old were you when you decided to leave healthcare? Okay. So I'm 36 now. So 2018, right. That was four years ago. 30. Was that man? Was I that old? Was that 30? 32. I think yeah. that's about right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Time flies. Thir 31, 31, 32. Yeah. Absolutely. I can agree with that. Time definitely does fly. Whenever I got out of college, next thing I knew I was 24 and I was like, wow, where did like two years go? <laughs> so I can definitely relate to that. And it's funny that you said this stuff about the, uh, the selling knives job. I actually used to do that when I was in school. So like uh, the summer before my freshman year of college, along with like two summers after that, I was doing it full time during the summers. They'll be paid for like a good bit of my school, but it was a, mm -hmm. uh, it was a tough job. 
that was yeah. uh that was a real grind. I think I was working maybe like 70 or 80 hours a week, not like in the office that whole time, but like doing late appointments, doing calls like in the morning and at night. It was a uh, one thing I'll say about that experience is that it definitely showed me what my potential was as far as like how far I could stretch myself time wise and then you know the type of dress I could put myself under. And I would say it definitely did play a role in like kind of shaping who I am today. But it is interesting to hear you kind of talk about that and like bring it up as an example. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. The, the people that can succeed at those jobs, they are they are really tough. And and they teach you a lot if you decide to dedicate yourself to it. And it mm-hmm. takes a, a, a really strong individual. So kudos to you. But yeah, I mean, out of, out of undergrad with a marketing degree, I could they either they either were like scam job uh scam kind of scam mlm jobs for selling sports subscriptions and magazines mm-hmm. it was selling knives uh and then there is uh, like selling uh electricity all right those were like a lot of the i don't know if you've seen these there's like basically going door to door at least is how it was when i was out of undergrad and you know you have this kind of glitz and glam belief of what marketing is going to be when you get out of school mm-hmm and uh those those jobs aren't where i wanted to start my career i actually ended up getting something in health i took on a marketing associate role where i drove around in my dad's minivan going to corporate events and hosting health screenings mm-hmm. and so i worked for a chiropractic office where i'd go in kind of do that fat test right do do some other like health screenings and then book them an appointment to come to the chiropractic office. It was a, it was an interesting job. I learned a bit from it, but also learned that I just didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't like bought into the nine to five or even right. though it wasn't nine to five, there was still some flexibility, but uh, you do need to start somewhere. Right? And I think that's also a really important point when it comes to your career. I think we, at least I discounted, the amount of work that you need to put in to get to where you want to go and how you need to not look, look forward four years. You need to actually value today and value the skills and the relationships that you're creating. There's a, a really good book called so, so good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how we really can't predict what one job is going to create for us. And if I look back in time, like, and if we actually value the job that we're in and make the most of it, I mean, it can make our career, right? it could be priceless. It probably won't, probably going to have a bunch of twists and turns along the way. But one way for sure that, that we can basically miss out is if we ignore the value of our current job. It's something to think about. And uh, one question I have for you, like you talk about like being present in the day and making the most out of the day. and planning your trajectory four years out, you know, to, I guess, kind of comparing the two, like which one is more suitable. One question I would ask you is what was it that made you settle on marketing at first for your degree or like for what you want to do for your career? Yeah. Yeah. So I went into school wanting to be a professional athlete and I actually, initially my major was marketing, uh, sorry, initially my my major was nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, My plan was actually to become a dietitian. Right. That was my backup plan was to go be a dietitian. Uh, but about in my after my sophomore year, they canceled my major. So I had to pick another one. And luckily, I was actually doing uh, some business minors 
at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to switch my degree to marketing because, Hey, dad said, get a business degree. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was my backup plan. Uh, I actually was, was, was initially going to, after that, after they canceled my major for nutrition, I was going to actually try to go to med school. And I was, I was kind of majoring in biology. I was like one class away from another, another minor. And I could have decided to stay a little bit longer and do biology, but the time investment wasn't for me. So I decided to get out. I really was going to launch a business. I kind of did all the due diligence. I was going to launch a food company, a CPG company, a kind of a coffee blend that had some health benefits, but then ended up getting that due due to networking, getting my, basically getting a job for grad school and getting it funded. So it just made sense for me to go, go back and get my MBA in entrepreneurial management and then get my MPH in health policy. Okay. Okay. I see. Well, yeah, I mean, moving on from there and then you going through the path that you did, taking those different roles that you had before and then finally getting to now, I'm sure that with you talking to all these people and having clients that are working these different corporate jobs, one of the things you probably come across pretty often is that a lot of people are probably just unhappy with the work that they're doing. Would you say that's correct? I'd say at least my clients are. Uh, <laughs> really, yeah, at least my your clients, clients are, are unhappy right? with work. And it is really demotivating. I'll tell you, I go out mm-hmm. with all, I go out with my friends and at least, at least to the third of the people act like they don't have any control over their job and say that they hate it or they hate their boss or they don't like their work, but I'd say a decent amount of them actually enjoy their job. Uh, maybe that's just kind of who I hang out with, but I can't, I can't hang out with people that are really unhappy at work. Cause I go, let me tell you how to solve it. Right. <laughs> and I mean, that would be kind of weird if like, you know, this is the type of work that you do when you have your certain priorities and values, yet the people that you're hanging out with, you know, are a complete opposite of that. You know, they aren't living similar lives anyway. So it would make sense that your friends yeah. would, would be, you know, more happy with what they're doing. But yeah, like about your clients, though, you say that that's something that's an issue for them. And one question I would ask you is what would you think is like the main thing that leads to people getting into uh, careers that uh, that they don't like that they don't want to be in. I know you mentioned people thinking four years ahead instead of thinking in the now, but I feel like there might be some other elements to it as well that you might be able to enlighten us on. Yeah, they don't really stop to think. So some high achievers, people that are just like hustle, 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 got to make some money, got to grow. Don't actually stop and think, am I happy? Mm -hmm. So they get to a point where they've been hustling long enough, they're, they're pretty successful, but they don't feel successful. Either they think that's all that there is or they burn out. So they maybe go on a sabbatical for a year and travel the world and think that's the solution. Um, so part of it is just like being so success driven. Uh, another area is like the scarcity mentality. Like if I get a job, I'm lucky that I have a job. Mm-hmm. Usually that comes from either like a background of, of not having a lot of, you know, a lot of professional success, like role models around you or getting fired or get having some pretty negative environments around you through your professional career. So you're actually fearful. You think that's what work is. Uh, and another one is just kind of being reactive to opportunities that come up to you. So you get a job, get promoted. Maybe someone asks you to come work for them. So you go work for them. Uh, you get promoted and all of a sudden you're like, holy, how'd I get here? Like I didn't, I didn't pick any of this. And Mm -hmm. so that happens too. Uh, And 
I'd say one other one is just kind of following my mom was a doctor my dad was a doctor. His grandfather was a doctor, but that could be for anything. It'd be lawyer. It could be accountant. It could be, you know, it could be home builder, you know, anything like that. Okay. So I kind of, and, and you don't choose it basically all of these come to, you don't actually choose. it. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing I'll add to just from like my own experience from kind of what I went through when I was picking what I was going to do along with, uh, some of the motivations that led to a lot of people around me picking the jobs that they did, people that I may have went to school with or that I grew up with that are all working now. I would say one thing that was a major motivator for me coming out of school was, I guess, kind of maybe the status that you get from a certain type of job. I felt like it gave me a sense of importance if I could say, oh, I work for this company, you know, because people can imply from whatever company you say you work for or what you do. Oh, he probably makes this much money. Oh, he must be smart. Oh, look at him being productive in his life. He's doing well for himself. I know that that was a major driver for me. But then I know actually getting into the role after that, whenever you take that moment to think, kind of like what you said, people fail to do. Uh, I guess lucky for me, that kind of happened three months into the job. And I kind of started to think, I mean, yeah, it looks great on paper and all that, but I never did actually sit down and consider, first of all, what my values are, what's important to me in life. And if this opportunity that I took even aligns with that. And so that's, I think that, I think that's something that could also be added to that, that maybe a lot of people, you know, they might be able to relate to. Yeah. Status plays a huge role for sure. I'll work with some executives that are making some career choices and they'll be in a really toxic environment at a large company. And then there'll be a really positive environment at a small company, same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't go to that small company. People will think I'm taking a step back in my career. I go, I just like, sorry for laughing, but these are the types, you know, we're motivated by such strange things when it comes, like when we weigh our fulfillment and our happiness and in, in, we compare that to status and ego, like mm-hmm. how do those two even compare? Like, they should not even be in the same conversation. Uh, but we so often make decisions based on other people. Absolutely. People that don't even think about us on a, on a day-to-day basis. Right. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. It's really crazy to think about. And another thing too, that I kind of had to reflect on when it came to that was, you know, what exactly, what exactly are my values? What exactly is important to me? What is my identity based in? So that we actually have something to be rooted in instead of looking for other people to to guide what direction I was going to take, you know, which is kind of goes back into what we were just talking about with the status thing. You don't have your own strong identity rooted in certain values or standards. You kind of look to other people to guide you to, you know, what they approve of or what you think will put you in the best standing among everybody else. When really that shouldn't even matter because at the end of the day, it is your life. I'm sure that the people that you talk to have realized that too. We, We do have to play the game though, too. So a little disclaimer for everybody listening. I'm helping someone out right now. He's a co-founder of a company, grew it from zero to 85 employees, crushed it. Mm-hmm. And now he's looking for a job. He exited he's, and he got kind of bought out. So now he's looking for a job. And if he puts on his resume, you know, co-founder and applies to jobs, people aren't going to probably take him as seriously. He needs to figure out kind of what that job title is so he can get that next job that he's interested in. Because mm-hmm. people do have... They do have these instant associations where if they see like co-founder on your resume, they may write you off or they may think you're a flight risk. So it's really important how you tell your professional story. 
And so sometimes, you know, going in and working for Amazon for a year can make your career, right? Going in and working for a big consulting firm can make your career potentially Mm -hmm. or help your career, make it easier for you to open doors later on in the future. And I do believe we can do anything for six, 12 months. And depending, so sometimes we make those sacrifices with intention, which I'm all for. I understand that. Like, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I put in building a business or the amount of effort that I put into, you know, even just complete my doctoral program. Uh, but there was meaning and there was intention behind them. So you go work for that company because it has a big name. Do you got some bigger plans associated with that? Or are you doing it because solely based on ego? Mm-hmm. You got some bigger plans based on it. Then I say, go for it. Let's do it. How are you going to, how are you going to make sure you're happy though during the process? How, how do you make sure you're going to actually live values first? Uh, but it's worth it. So really the important thing seems to be to have like a strong reason behind doing it. That's not like you could say externally motivated, maybe like by what other people would say and all that. But if you want to do something, don't have it to where it's, it's because of what other people think about you, but because of how it fits into your overall plan, that should really be the main thing, regardless of what anyone else outside may say. I shared earlier that I was a victim of, of myself and mm-hmm. I actually think we can be happy in a lot of different environments. It's not the job that makes us happy. It's how we work at that job. Mm-hmm. So if there's something, if there's a job or organization that isn't perfect, but it's, it's helping you reach a certain goal later on, you can then have certain boundaries at that job. You can focus on certain things that are energizing. You can volunteer for projects that are more in alignment with who you are. You can work with certain people that you really like working with. And kind of try to minimize the things that de-energize you. Um, you know, saying like I, I actually think you know we can't give away again giving away can't give away our power when it comes to can we be happy here or not? Mm-hmm. Like unless you're in a very toxic environment with people calling you names every single day, like you can figure it out. I promise you. It's it has to do a lot with your mindset and your strategy. All right. And so we kind of touched on this uh, a little bit earlier where you talked about doing things that align with certain goals that you may have. You even made that Amazon example about, hey, if you need to work at Amazon for a year or so to get towards some end goal that you have, that's something you should consider doing. Let's kind of talk about creating goals and moving towards them. What would you say are some of the major pitfalls people may run into when it comes to maybe having a plan because they sat down and thought through the whole process? but uh, they have trouble reaching it. What would you say are some of the major challenges? Well, first off, disclaimer, it's okay if you want to work at Amazon and if your dream is to work at Amazon. So I hope mm-hmm. I hope that you, you do. Some people don't want to work at Amazon. That's all why I use that example. Oh, no, I was just using it because you gave it. I yeah. wasn't putting any type of connotation to whether it was good or bad. I just was using that because you kind of use that example when you're talking about no, yeah. working towards a yeah. goal. And I've had, yeah. no, and I, I just wanted to just disclaim for myself. I have mm-hmm. some clients that really wanted to work for Amazon because of the the title and the ego and the way that it would help their career in the future. I have some people that worked at Amazon and, and really hated it. And mm-hmm. then there's some connotations out there that, you know, it's a tough corporate culture. And I'm of the belief that we can make it, we can make places work for us if we go in with the right mindset around them. Now, related to goals, uh, well, we it could be said that we don't achieve our goals because we don't really want to achieve our goals. And hmm. I know a lot of people would push back on that. 
but we are in control of our actions. We are in control of what we do, what we set out to do. We are not in control of external environment. So if our goal is to work for a certain company and we interview for them and they don't select us, well, it is your choice to give up. It was not your choice, right? You did not make the decision to get hired, uh, to be hired or not. So you could technically say that if you give up at that point in time that you were responsible for not achieving that goal, but it's important to set goals that you have control over. So a goal such as I want to work for this company, well, the goal can't be dependent on one job. The, the goal can't be dependent on the interview that you have. The goal has to be dependent on a much kind of longer span of time because you don't actually make the decision if you get hired. And that's a little kind of maybe a complicated example. But when we do set goals for ourselves, we have to make sure that we're not, we're not also setting expectations that we don't have control over. So if you want a certain, so there, so goals are important because they allow us to achieve something that we care about and to live true to certain values that we have within us. The goal is one way to achieve a value that we have. So for example, uh, can we, can we get an example of a goal? Maybe we can play with that. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's say someone's goal is to be a, you know, get up to like a manager position in their company. Okay. So the goal of achieving a manager position is something that we could set our, set our sights on at your company, right? We can strategize towards. It's also dependent though on some things that we can't control. So I'd say, what are the, what are the, pieces of that goal that are truly important to you when it comes to being a manager? Like, why do you think this goal exists? Let's just role play. What, what, why do you want to be a manager? Okay. So me being a role playing person, I want to be a manager because it gave me an opportunity to influence the work environment, advocate for people, but also be in charge of something that's very important in my line of work uh, to where I have a little bit more influence than I would if I were in a lower position. Okay. So the title does not automatically equal the things that you said they could mm -hmm. but you could work on the things that you said even if you weren't a manager so can we break down the goal take that those pieces that you just mentioned and start orienting our work towards that so going to our boss and saying look career goal i'd love to be a manager i'm not sure if any of those positions are open right now but these are the types of things that i'd like to be involved in at work can you help can you help me get involved in them or how might, what steps might I take to get involved in them? Or what skills might I need to show you or learn so that I can get involved in them? You know, can I shadow some of these projects from a strategic kind of position? So you're crafting your job to be more in alignment with your goal. Even if you don't achieve your goal, you're actually still achieving components of it, which will help you ultimately achieve your goal later on in the career in, in the workplace. Now, I didn't answer your question about why we don't achieve our goals, but what I did though, was break down the meaning underneath the goal and help us kind of orient towards that, not just the goal itself. Well, I mean, I think you did kind of answer the question because what it implied, the way you answered it anyway, is that usually the process is flawed. Uh, two things that you mentioned, one, people, uh, you say that they want to achieve their goals, they'll find a way to do it. And so that comes with paying attention to those little small steps like what you just mentioned and maybe breaking it down and being more process focused from what it sounded like. Just like how you said, you can't control whether or not you're actually hired for it or not. But one thing you can do is control the little elements or like process steps in it and making sure you're covering all the bases with that. So I think that you did answer the question if if I'm paraphrasing in the right way. I'll take it. I'll take it to the bank. Right. <laughs> yeah.
I think okay. too often people tend, especially in their careers, tend to take things as absolutes. Mm -hmm. So I asked my boss for this and they didn't respond to me. Okay. How many times did you ask him? Once. Are you sure your boss understood what you wanted? Are you sure your boss didn't forget? Are you sure your boss has the capability of moving that forward? Are you sure your boss isn't actually doing it behind the scenes without you knowing? So they take things as absolute and they use that to may basically definitively change their career path. I mean, I tend to think of it like, you know, it's you have to be, you have to be your number one advocate. Um, if you're not, no one else is going to be. So it does, you can ask for something multiple times. You just sometimes have to change up how you ask for it or how you go about it. If you apply for a job and don't get accepted, and 99% of people that apply for jobs don't get accepted. So, but too many people use a, a rejection as a rejection to that opportunity overall. Like, oh, I applied to this company. They said no. So that means I give up on that company. No, go talk to somebody else. Go talk to somebody else that works at that company. And it's just no one, and to reiter reiterate, no one can give up on your goals other than you. And too often with our careers, we give up way too easily. All right. All right. So if we had to sum that up into like one piece of advice, I guess it would be to uh, be persistent. That's what that's what you're saying. Like when you have that goal that's defined for you or that mission or whatever that you want to take, uh, be a little bit flexible and and persistent. You could say, make sure that you aren't yeah. just running into dead ends like what you would think they are anyway. They probably aren't actually dead ends and saying, oh, whatever well, goes my dream or my goal or whatever keep pushing and try to find ways to adapt and be dynamic to still try and make it work for you, even if it won't go in the exact trajectory that you thought it would. Yeah. So for goals, just kind of summarize for your career, we tend to give up too easily. So be your biggest champion. Mm -hmm. The only person that is going to be your champion is you uh, spend some time really understanding the meaning behind the things that you want, because that meaning can be achieved in multiple ways. So the goal that you think is really important may not be the actual thing that you need to do. There may be other ways to actually do it. So it's not black. It's not like black or white. It's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. There's a lot of different options. It's not just one or two options. Mm -hmm. uh, the other piece is after you discover the meaning behind the goal, you actually want to look at those process, the, the, the process and the steps, like you said. So if I have this goal of being X, Y, Z, then how do I break that down to different components of that goal? So I know what I need to do next. So I know that what are like the, biggest levers that I can pull to ensure that I make some progress towards that goal. Cause it's not all or nothing. Everything that we do in life, every goal that we have is, is a combination of multiple steps. And so we can achieve one step and not achieve another, but we can make it easier to achieve the next one. If we, if we're able to do that. The other, the other piece we haven't talked about is build a community around your goals. So if you do want to be a manager, are you connecting with managers? Are you connecting with senior managers? Are you connecting with directors? And so are you building a community around yourself to help you understand what you're trying to achieve in your life? Hmm. When I heard you say that, it immediately sparked my mind that like, in a way, I've kind of done that subconsciously because something I want to do is life coaching. That's a place where I want to offer value along with the podcast. And just kind of reflecting on what you said, I just realized that just for me sourcing guests and from talking to people at networking events and just the, the last few people that I've talked to, like in the, in the past week that I've met up with for, for coffee or other things, all these people have kind of been life coaches. And so it's really kind of crazy how, how that works. And so it just reminds me, Hey, you know, I might be 
moving on the right trajectory or at least following that second step of what you're saying about surrounding yourself with the community. I'm seeing these guys uh, going through some of the challenges that I'll eventually face. And some of them are kind of giving me tips and advice on the things that I'm doing now. And so I, I can see how that could be important. I love that a lot. Really add me to the Rolodex. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely make sure to. And so uh, before we go ahead and wrap up, there's usually like one question that I like to ask, and this doesn't have to be related to uh, the content we talked about today. It could just be pretty general, but I would ask, what would you say is the best piece of advice that somebody's ever given you or that you've ever read somewhere? So I've been saying for a while now that the most important leader is the one that lives inside you. Mm-hmm. It is, it is basically giving yourself full responsibility and accountability towards your life. And so make a decision for what you want to spend your time on. No one else can do that other than you. It is important though, that you don't over invest in a specific area. Mm-hmm. Like if I was to reflect back on my investment in soccer, it was a, it was pretty unhealthy. I would practice three times a day. I would, you know, it, it was just, it was a, it was not something I really should have spent most of my time and energy on. So I'd say lead yourself, but lead yourself in a way that uh, honors and respects all parts of who you are as an individual, mm-hmm. mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, you know, all those different components, social, familial, um, those are all part of who we are as individuals. No one lays on their deathbed and says, man, I wish I worked more. So make sure you're living, living for yourself in a way that serves you and what you want to achieve in life in every area. Thank you for sharing that. And for the people that want to get in contact with you potentially for your services, uh, where could they find you? Yeah, go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com liveforyourselfconsulting.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Send me a message, connect, tell me you heard me here. And I'd love to to just hear your takeaways from the episode. All right. Well, that wraps things up. Another episode of Improvement. If you guys like the content, make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you listen to it on. And also make sure to check out the website, which is improvementpodcast.com. But uh, thanks again for coming on to the show, Ben. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. And yeah, everyone listening, go give five stars right now. Open up your podcast app, right scroll now. down <laughs> right now. Super easy. Go to the show, scroll down, hit the five star button. If you're on an iPhone, it can't be any easier than that. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, thanks again. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too.